0: As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church. So church on the move that's who we are. If you're joining us online, welcome. We're so glad that you're streaming live with us today. If you've been with us, you know that we're in a series. We're moving through uh, the book of Ephesians verse by verse. And uh, we're a church that's on the move because God is on the move. Amen? And uh, But if you think about this, if we're not careful... We can be on the move so fast that we fail to stop and to see and to celebrate how God is on the move. Did you know that six weeks ago, we started a ministry inside the walls of Stateville Prison? Uh, We took some, yeah, give it up for the Lord for the doors that he's opening for us for ministry in Stateville Prison. Uh, We took some bottled water just like this to the prison and it got handed out to the inmates. Get this a spouse of an inmate emailed our care center to say thank you for giving bottled water to my husband. You gave this bottle of water to the inmate. Thank you for doing that. Isn't that amazing? And to think that there's a ministry that is now taking place inside the walls of Stateville Prison. We have a core group that's meeting with the goal of launching a church This has never, ever been done before in the state of Illinois' history in the Department of Correction is to have a church inside the wall of Stateville Prison. And God is opening up the opportunity for us to do that at High Point Church. Let's give it up for the Lord, amen? God is on the move. I talked to a man just this past week who over the last 18 months had retreated into isolation, but has just recently in the last few weeks Uh, joined a growth group and is experiencing all the blessing and the benefit of being in community. I know his story is the story of hundreds of people in our church. God is on the move. Many of you have been praying for Tim Duvall. Tim Duvall is a big part of our church. He normally sits over in this section at the nine o'clock service, is the last one to leave because he's so talkative and wants to uh, interact with everyone that he can. He suffered a tragic accident 84 days ago, that left him with a crushed pelvis, broken ribs, punctured lung, fractured neck. Everything about the accident could have been fatal. He was in the ICU for weeks on end, unable to move. He was sedated for a lot of that time. He's experienced complications even after a coming uh, back to himself in terms of being alert, and he had a failed kidney, and many, many other things. But we've been praying. We've been praying breakthrough prayers to our miracle working God. I went to see Tim yesterday at the rehab hospital. Not only was he alert and talkative, but he was sitting up in a wheelchair. Let's praise God for God's work in his life talked about the Cubs rebuilding, we talked about the Bears new stadium moving to Arlington Heights maybe someday. But what he really wanted to talk about was you. And what God, what was God was doing here at High Point Church. He wanted to talk about Jesus. And so Tim and Jill, we love you. We know that you're streaming with us right now. That we're continuing to pray for you and pull for you. And we were talking uh, yesterday He was talking about when he gets released from this rehab facility. I said, well, we can get some guys from High Point to build a ramp so he can get his wheelchair into his house. He didn't want to hear that because he believes that God is going to allow him to walk out of the rehab center. And so that's the miracle working God who's on the move. And God's not just answering his prayer. But God's answering prayers of dozens of people within our church. We can pass the microphone around and how is God at work in your life? That God is a God that's on the move. God's on the move in our church, He's on the move in individual lives. One of the evidences of that is he's on the move in baptisms. We already heard a couple of stories in baptisms earlier in this service. Did you know that we're doing baptisms at all of our locations this weekend, including at our two newest locations in Hinsdale and St. Charles? It's only weekend four for them, and yet they have baptisms. So dozens of baptisms are taking place here at High Point. We have over 20 people that were baptized last service. We have more that will be baptized even after this service. In fact, you're going to have an opportunity. That's right. You're going to have an opportunity if you're here and you've not yet been baptized. You're going to have an opportunity before this service is over to take that important step of faith and obedience and baptism. You see, what we want to do this weekend is we want to uh, take time, to celebrate our God who is on the move. And so if you were with us last week, you know that we ended our service with a little bit of a Q&A about baptism. We want to do a deeper dive into what the scripture teaches about baptism, and then we're going to see more people be baptized. If you have your bibles, open them up to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter eight, that's where we're gonna be hanging out. This is a sermon in a sentence. And so here is the sentence for the message today. It's every Christian needs to be baptized because it's totally biblical, extremely personal, immediately applicable, and spiritually meaningful. Let's take some time to unpack this message in a sentence and let's take it phrase by phrase. So first of all, we see that it's totally biblical. That baptism is described as well as prescribed in the Bible. Our text today is Acts chapter 8, but we need to kind of set the context for what we're going to see. Is that first of all, we're going to see an individual by the name of Philip. He's returning from Jerusalem and he's going down a route, but he gets rerouted. Not rerouted by Google Maps, not rerouted because of a construction zone but God reroutes him to take a different route. And while he goes on that route, he is going to meet an Ethiopian eunuch. Well, what's an Ethiopian eunuch? An Ethiopian eunuch is an influential government official who works for the queen in Ethiopia. And the Ethiopian eunuch is reading the Old Testament. And he doesn't understand what he's reading. But God brings Philip into his life on that route. Anyone think that that's a coincidence? Of course not. So let's pick up the passage and see Acts chapter eight, starting in verse 30. So Philip ran into him and he heard him reading Isaiah, the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian said, how can I, unless someone guides me, unless someone explains this to me. And he invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. Now, the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before his shearer is silent, he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied to him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. Next verse. And the Ethiopian said to Philip, Philip, About whom, I ask, does the prophet say this? About himself or someone else? And so here's the Ethiopian, he's reading the book of Isaiah and he's wondering what is Isaiah even saying? Is Isaiah talking about himself or is he talking about someone else? And of course, Isaiah was talking about Jesus. And here, Philip is to explain Jesus to him. Notice what it says next in verse 35. Then Philip opened up his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news of Jesus. So beginning with the scripture, I hope that you understand this, that the gospel is rooted and revealed in scripture. That Jesus is the gospel, that Jesus is the good news, that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And not just Old Testament prophecy that we see in Isaiah that he's reading, but Jesus is also the fulfillment of Old Testament sacrificial system. You understand that we as humans, we rebelled and disobeyed God. And so God set up this system in the Old Testament of sacrifice to atone for sin, that a lamb would be killed so that our sins could be atoned for and then Jesus comes to the earth and John the Baptist says to Jesus behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world Jesus is the lamb of God he came to save sinners well how did he do that well he died on a cross Hebrews nine tells us this that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. First Peter chapter three says this, "For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that He might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit." So who's the righteous? Jesus, right? Who's the unrighteous? It's not just your neighbor. Point to who's the unrighteous. Jesus suffered so that the, as the righteous one, so the unrighteous could come to him. That's the way that we have a relationship with God. Second Corinthians 5.21 says this, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That the sinless son of God became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Why did Jesus die on the cross? What's the first three words of this verse? For our sake. Theologians call this the substitutionary atonement. You understand the concept of substitute, right? You had a substitute teacher back in the day that there was a teacher, but then the teacher came and took the teacher's place. That's the substitute that Jesus is the substitutionary atonement for us. It's Jesus in my place, Jesus in your place. You see, we owed a debt that we couldn't pay, but Jesus paid a debt that he did not owe. All world religions are all about doing for God, right? It's about paying penance and earning favor and getting your act straight and trying harder. That's all world religions. But the gospel that we're talking about today is not about us doing for God, but it's about what God has done for us. That God sent his son, that Jesus died, that he offers forgiveness, but we must believe. And so the gospel demands a response. And to not respond is to respond. Have you responded to the gospel? It's as easy as the ABCs. A is to admit that you're a sinner and you can't save yourself. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I think all of us would admit that we're sinners, right? Think about being dropped in the middle of Lake Michigan in the midst of a storm. No human effort could keep you alive. You're going under. You need a savior. And in the same way, Jesus is our spiritual savior. B is to believe, believe that Jesus Christ died and that he rose again. And that he offers life and he offers forgiveness. John 1, 12 says, but as many as received him, to those who believe on his name, they shall be called children of God. But aren't we all children of God? No, we're all made in the image of God, but we become children of God through receiving and believing in him. What does it mean to receive him? Well, it means to believe in him. What does it mean to believe in him? It means to receive him. Have you done that before? Which leads to C, which is to confess. To confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Romans ten nine says that if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's not I hope to be saved or I want to be saved or I think that I'm saved, you will be saved. Do you have assurance of your salvation? Are you confident in your salvation here this morning? Notice that this verse is an if-then statement. Was it the if? It's if we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts, then you will be saved. So maybe you're here today and You don't yet know Jesus Christ as your savior, or you're not sure about that. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you can believe. You can admit, believe, and to confess. This is what Philip was sharing with the Ethiopian and the Ethiopian responded in faith. Let's pick up our story in Acts chapter eight. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the Ethiopian said, See, here's some water. What prevents me from being baptized? If you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you've not yet been baptized, you should be asking the exact same question. Here's some water. What's preventing me from being baptized today? Again, you're going to have an opportunity before this service ends. To respond in faith and obedience, and to be baptized today if you're not yet baptized as a believer. So let's continue on in our sentence. Every Christian needs to be baptized because it's totally biblical and it's extremely personal. That baptism is personal, it's not something you can do for your child or for your spouse or for your friend. It's something that each person must do for himself or herself. That baptism is the biblical way of confessing Jesus Christ as your Lord. That Jesus himself was baptized. We see that in the gospels. And when Jesus was being baptized, he came up out of the water. What did God the Father say about his son? You remember this? He said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. I don't think it's a stretch at all to say that God is well-pleased when his children are baptized. Why? Because they're following Jesus' example and they're following Jesus' command. Jesus commands us to be baptized. So why would someone be a follower of Christ and not follow his example and not follow his command to be baptized? See, baptism is personal. The word baptism itself, baptizo in the Greek, means to be immersed in water. And so even the being physically baptized is a picture. It's a picture of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. But it's also a picture of your life and my life that I was once dead in my trespasses and sins, but now I've been forgiven and now I'm raised to new life. That baptism doesn't save you, but it's a symbol that you are saved, that you are a believer in Jesus Christ. Much like this wedding ring that I have, it's a symbol that I said I do to Camille in 1995. That I said I do in a public way, I publicly committed to loving her. In the same way, baptism is a symbol that you are publicly saying, I do, that I commit my love to the Lord. And so baptism is personal. When should you be baptized? This leads us to the next part, that baptism is immediately applicable. Well, where do we see this in the text? Let's continue on. And he commanded the chariot to stop and they both went down into the water. And so Philip and the eunuch, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Notice that it was immediately applicable. That The Ethiopian didn't say, well, can I wait a few weeks? Is there a class? Is there some literature that I need? He did the opposite of being hesitant and being reluctant that he was baptized immediately. He became a Christian, he saw water, he asked to be baptized. That's the order. Belief, then baptism. That's the order we see all throughout the New Testament. Earlier in the book of Acts, we see Philip uh, baptizing in verse 12. It says this, and when they believed Philip as he preached the good news. So again, it starts with belief. It starts with understanding the good news that we're talking about today about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. And they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, again, belief, then baptism. That's the order we see in scripture. If you were with us last week, we'd, in the Q and A, we talked about what if you were baptized as an infant? Well, if you were baptized as an infant, it was your parents' choice to baptize you. It wasn't your choice. Your parents did what they thought was best. But scripture teaches believers baptism belief, then baptism. And so to be baptized as a believer, get this, it does not disrespect your parents in any way. In fact, it honors them because it's showing that you're choosing to follow Jesus, which was their intent when they baptized you as an infant. So, baptism, it's immediately applicable. So, if you're a new believer, it's never too soon to be baptized. If you've known the Lord for a long time, it's never too late to be baptized. So, wherever you're at in that spectrum, whether you've known the Lord for a few days and a few weeks or for months and years and decades even, baptism is immediately applicable. Don't delay. Again, you're gonna have an opportunity in this service to do just that. And let's see the last part of our sentence, that baptism is spiritually meaningful. Back to Acts chapter eight, and they came up out of the water and the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the Ethiopian eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. I don't think anyone is gonna forget that day. I don't think Philip's gonna forget being rerouted. I don't think the Ethiopian's gonna forget being uh, in his chariot and being confused about what he's reading. And God brings this dude along who explains it to him. And then they were baptized. He was baptized on that day. I don't think he's gonna forget that. What I love about this verse is I love the end. And they went on his way rejoicing. That's what happens in the body of Christ. That at the end of the service, we're gonna go on our way. We're gonna go on rejoicing because we hear stories of what God is doing in people's lives, how God is changing lives. That we have an opportunity to rejoice together as a church family. And so what is our sermon in a sentence? What is it? It's this, is that every Christian needs to be baptized. Why? Because it's totally biblical. It's extremely personal. It's immediately applicable and it's spiritually meaningful. And so you might be here today and you're not sure about your salvation. Today is the day of salvation for you. October 3rd, 2021, you can get it settled with the Lord. Well, how do I do that? Well, just pray a simple prayer. God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again. And I confess Jesus as my Lord. Today is the day of salvation. I'm praying that some of you will respond today to the Lord. Well, maybe you're here and you have assurance of your salvation. You know that you're saved, but you're not yet Baptized. Well, may the story of the Ethiopian wipe away all of our excuses, right? What did the Ethiopian say in Acts chapter eight? He said, see, here's some water. What prevents me from being baptized? Perhaps you came in today and You didn't really know much about baptism. But now you've heard from God's word about what baptism is and how important it is. And perhaps you're here and you were baptized as an infant. Well, we talked about that, that scripture teaches belief than baptism. That this is an opportunity for you to make a personal choice to do what your parents did for you back in the day. Perhaps you're here and you're like, well, I'm not like the Ethiopian eunuch. I didn't just come to know the Lord. I've known the Lord for a long time. Again, it's it's never too late. A couple months ago, we baptized someone at a Romeoville location who was 100 years old. It's never too late to be baptized, but you don't need to wait to 100, Okay. So again, here's some water. What prevents you from being baptized? You might be thinking, well, I don't know. I don't know what to say. You share your story. You don't need to be eloquent in speech, just be yourself. What's your faith story? When did you come to know Christ? How has God been at work in your life? Why do you wanna be baptized? You're like, well, I'm still not sure what I would say. Well, I've got people on in the lobby that would be willing to talk with you and help you to think that through. You might be thinking, well, I'm really, really nervous. I've never baptized anyone that wasn't nervous. Join the club but each person would say they are glad that they didn't let their nerves stand in the way of walking in faith and obedience. Don't let nerves stand in your way. You might be thinking, well, my grandma, she's out of state. Great, we'll take a video, okay? You can show her the video, she'll understand. I am thinking, well, man, I... I need to get my act together. I don't feel worthy. Well, we already talked about it. It's not about what you do, it's what Christ has done for you. The reality is none of us are worthy. We're all a piece of work. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a piece of work. But God's not finished with us yet, amen? And so maybe, if you're feeling that, like I need to get my act together. Maybe one of the reasons why you don't have your act together is because you haven't been walking in faith and obedience. And so today is the day to put the stake in the ground and that through baptism saying, I, from now on, I'm gonna walk in faith and obedience. And being baptized is what winds up changing the course of the direction of your actions, so your actions do come back in line with what God wants. Maybe you're thinking, "Well, I don't have a change of clothes. I didn't know this was happening." Well, we got you covered. We've got shorts. We got a T-shirt. We got changing rooms. We got hair dryers. We got hair gel. Last service, we baptized a lady who said, well, I didn't come to church with waterproof mascara. She said that from the tank. And I saw her after the service. She's like, I'm so glad I've been putting this off. I'm so glad I'm done making excuses. Here's some water. What prevents you from being baptized? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, Jesus calls us to be baptized. It's a matter of faith, and it's a matter of obedience. Why don't we stand in response? So maybe you're here right now, and as I've been talking the God's been convicting your heart that today is the day that you need to be baptized. If so, just leave right now. Head out to the North Lobby and uh, we'll be glad to help you in the North Lobby. Let's give it up for some of these that are leaving. But there's still time. There's still time uh, to head out with them. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, We thank you that you are a God that's on the move. We thank you that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. We thank you for the life and the forgiveness that we have in Jesus Christ. And God, it's our desire to please you. And so God, would you stir in our hearts the desire to please you even with baptism. Help us to walk in faith and obedience today? God, where there's confusion, would you give clarity? God, where there's pride, would you give humility? God, where there's fear, would you replace that with faith? God, where there's reluctance today, God, would you bring conviction in obedience? God, we thank you for what you're doing in our church. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Our service isn't done. We've got more baptisms to come. We're gonna sing a song. And during the song, at any point, if you feel like today is the day that I'm done putting this off, I need to be baptized today. Join me out in the North Lobby and we'll talk with you. We'll get you everything you need. And then we can come back and we can rejoice and we can celebrate together. And so let's sing along.